Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketch pad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 286. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening. Thanks once again for downloading and first-time listeners. We're glad you found us and we hope you enjoy the show and become a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennick, and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, we're actually in Rome for the Samsung Southeast Asia and Oceania Forum. We'll take you through all the announcements, and we'll also chat with Sungi Koo, who's Samsung's Vice President of Smart Appliances and Home IoT. We'll also let you know about Apple's new battery settings for the iPhone in iOS 11.3, and we'll also talk about the Lenovo laptop recall. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Bankwest Halo, which is Australia's first payment ring, and we'll also talk about the new affordable D-Link smart cameras, and we'll finish it off, as we always do, with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and also Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. A massive show for you, so we're just going to jump straight in. Well, as we said at the top of the show, we're actually in Rome. Uh, we're here for Samsung's Southeast Asia and Oceania Forum. Uh, a lot of people have asked me, why, why would the Southeast Asia Forum be in Rome? Well, what Samsung has actually done is they've set up the whole the the, the, the forum at uh, a location here in Rome. And before the Southeast Asia Forum, they had the US, the North America Forum, in the same venue. Then the Southeast Asians turned up, including Australia. And after we leave, then I think there's going to be a European forum. So rather than getting different venues all around the world, Samsung decided to set up camp in Rome and kick it off there. I'm not complaining. Uh, I, I am here as a guest of uh, Samsung in Rome, and uh, it's been a really interesting forum and also an interesting city to visit. But we were here, though, to hear about Samsung's strategy moving forward, also hear about some new products that are heading our way. But one thing that struck us at the, whole, at the start of the whole forum was the fact that Samsung have a multi-device strategy moving forward. And not only have they got the multi-device strategy, but they've also got the connected strategy as well. It's uh, quite an ecosystem that they're setting up. And, and a company like Samsung, which does have a, quite a breadth of products when you think about it, number one in smartphones, number one in TVs, refrigerators, number one in the, in the Asia-Pacific, uh, they've got washing machines, they've got robot vacuum cleaners, regular power stick vacuum cleaners, uh, all other entertainment products, like audio bars and other uh, sound bars and other products like that. So Samsung are really putting positioning their pieces in your home and then uh, going to connect them all. And as promised, they're going to have everything, all of their products integrated and able to communicate with each other by 2020, which is they're well on track. That's less than two years away. So uh, it was it was interesting to hear that strategy 
and of course added voice control through the Bixby Digital Assistant. Another big part of the uh, that's underpinning this whole Internet of Things strategy too is the Smart Things app. This is an app, uh, a company that Samsung acquired about two or three years ago, and this is the the glue, if you like, that, that puts all these things together. So when, when when they all need to connect to each other and do things at a certain time or react to things, this Smart Things app does all that heavy lifting. It, it's it's the real smarts behind the system. We'll chat with Sungi Koo later about the, the, the theme of my interview with him was making things simple is quite complicated, and he takes us through that and, and Samsung's strategy. But the, the Smart Things app is really going to become the remote control of all the connected products. And Samsung products that they did mention are all open. So they, they did have an example there where the family hub can, can be tuned into the Ring doorbell, for example, and it also lets you monitor your, your Netgear Arlo cameras. So they do allow other products into the ecosystem. Uh, but, of course, they, they want you to buy their washing machines and their TVs and all their other products. So... Uh, they will be seamless together, but uh, they haven't ruled out, or in my mind, I don't, I, I can't see them ruling out the addition of other products that may not bear the Samsung brand. But let's take you through what Samsung announced here. And the first of all, let's talk about TVs because TVs, as I mentioned, is the Samsung's the world number one uh, manufacturer in the Southeast Asia region uh, and in Oceania, which includes Australia. of all 4K UHD TVs sold in 2017 were Samsung. Uh, So they've got quite a stronghold there. And UHD, so 4K, has also experienced crazy growth. So 46% just in 2017, and that trend will absolutely continue in 2018. The other thing we're seeing, though, and this was pointed out too by Samsung, is the adoption of larger screens, larger screen TVs with 65 inches and above seeing the fastest recent growth. So this this attitude towards TVs is absolutely go big or go home. We want we want to have that massive TV experience and we and Australians aren't scared to adopt that. Uh, we are early adopters of technology, but we're also leading the way in getting those really big TVs in our homes. The other thing that that Samsung illustrated was there's 2018 smart TVs are actually going to be even easier to set up. So I don't know how many of you have bought a TV recently, but it does take some work to get it connected to your Wi-Fi, get all your accounts on there. Well, what Samsung's going to do, if you buy a new Samsung smart TV, you can just connect it to your smartphone, and it will take all the information like your wireless network and password, your Netflix account, Spotify, whatever other accounts you have that can run on the TV, will all be acquired through the smartphone. So setup can literally take minutes. Uh, it, it's it's going to be a real take away a real pain point for some customers who uh, just they find it such a hassle and and even I've heard of stories where they pay extra to get uh, the the store they bought it from to come in and they pay extra for the setup so they don't have to do it themselves. Well, with this new with this new uh, this new feature that might not be the necessary now. Another interesting product that they tease they didn't give a lot of detail. But it's really interesting. This is a product called the TV Key. Now, they said that this product could actually take the place of a set-top box for pay TV services. So consider our situation in Australia. You want to subscribe to Foxtel. You, you do, yes, you do have Foxtel Now capabilities and streaming and all of that. But imagine being able to have the set-top box set up 
And rather than you having to get a, in, install a cable, uh, get the set-top box and, and run cables through wherever you need to in your home, imagine if that could all be done with a little TV USB key that sticks in the back of your TV and gives you all that premium content, even encrypted, so that it's impossible to clone. No power is required because it draws the power through the TV, but you'll be able to watch all your pay TV channels, I presume, on any TV in your home without the need to have a cable or satellite installation. So it'll obviously come through your internet connection or, or, or a cable. I'm not sure, not enough detail here, but wow, imagine instead of a set-top box, you get a USB key. That would be incredible. It's going to be rolled out in Vietnam and China. They're going to be the first to access it in the coming weeks. So I'll be really keen to hear more about that. Uh, I like the fact that if you, if it's possible, if you could actually take the USB key and put it in another TV in the house, you can just move it around whenever you want. That'd be really interesting. Uh, another story on the TV side from Samsung is their new Frame TV. The Frame TV is that television that can be mounted on a wall and actually doesn't look like a television when it's not being, when it's not a television. It's actually uh, can be a work of art. There are sensors on the front, so it can detect when you're there. It can also detect the light level in the room and then adjust the screen to uh, to suit. So if you're if no one's there, it can just put a, a work of art on the wall or the, uh, on the screen. So it looks like a painting hanging on your wall. Uh, you got access to over over 700 paintings, and with more being added. So uh, if if you do the TV, you don't want it to look like a TV. Uh, it looks like a work of art. But the news about the Frame TV is the fact they're introducing a new size, and it's actually smaller. They do have 55- and 65-inch TVs, but now they're going to introduce a 43-inch TV. I think the feedback from customers is the fact that they wanted something smaller, maybe for the bedroom or for the, the secondary viewing area. So uh, Samsung have replied to that demand, and uh, that TV is already available from Harvey Norman and David Jones. I think it's $1,799, which in itself is affordable. It does have adjustable frame, so you can change the frame color, uh, and looks like a work of art on the wall. It's hard to, hard to pick it out from uh, other paintings on the wall and other pictures. So uh, that's a really successful product for Samsung that's continuing to do well, and with that extra 43-inch, that smaller size, that's going to be even more accessible. Moving on to the appliance side of the forum, and Samsung unveiled the new, the third generation family hub refrigerator. Now, this is the fridge with the 21.5 inch touchscreen. It's got internet connectivity and really puts control of your home right there at your fingertips. So not only can you control your home, but also allows you to have better food management so there's less wastage and you're wasting less money. Uh, the screen has a joint family calendar. You can leave notes, post photos, so no more having to put stuff on with a magnet on the fridge. You can even mirror a TV, uh, another Samsung TV from another room, so if you don't want to miss a show, you can listen to the radio, stream your music, and a whole lot more using the Family Hub refrigerator. Uh, the customers also can, they can log their food so that they can... When you're putting the groceries in the fridge, you can add it to the screen and then put a, an expiry date. So say you put in, uh, I don't know, some a, a bottle of milk. You can t- The milk, you can enter the, the use-by date into the screen as, you, as, you, as you're putting your groceries in and give every one of them an expiration date. So this, this helps the fridge. The fridge helps you manage your food. It can also come up with recipes suggesting to use the food that's going to expire first so that you're not wasting food. 
uh, you're using up the food or you're not letting it go bad. Uh, the other thing, too, that it can help you save money and avoid food waste is by being able to know what's in the fridge. How many times have you been down the shops and you're thinking, do I need milk? Do I need fruit? What do I need? Well, imagine if you could take a look into your fridge at that instant. Well, with the Family Hub, you can. Through the, through the app, you can actually look inside the fridge from the supermarket. It gives you a live shot or the last live shot when the door was, last time the door was opened. So you can see the level of milk in the bottle or whatever you happen to be, the level of, uh, you know, to see whether you've got certain types of fruit and groceries. So you can see what you need. So you're not going to guess if you need something. How many, how many times have you bought milk when you already had it or bought fruit when you already had it? This way it allows you to know exactly what you got and know exactly what you need to buy. Really helpful. Also on board, of course, is Bixby. This is Samsung's voice assistant, and this also allows you to not only communicate with the fridge and get information, but also you can also trigger other actions on other Samsung products in your home and monitor those as well. You can even say, uh, hi, Bixby, what's new today? And you get a summary of all your news and weather. Uh, on uh, and your calendar right there in front of you. And the beautiful thing is that it can distinguish between the voices of other members of your family. So someone else, maybe your, your wife or husband or child, walks in and says, hey, Bixby, what's new today? It'll give them a personalized look at their news, weather, sport, and their calendar. So that's really smart. Moving on to the laundry, they've got a quick-drive washing machine. Now, uh, they've, they've taken the laundry and cut the laundry time in half. This new machine, the WW7800M, will cut load time in half and also use 20% less energy and all without compromising the performance. So you're getting, still getting great wash, 20% uh, less energy, but it also takes half the time. Uh, that, that, that's, if you're getting that sort of time back, it's excellent. But the smarts don't end there. It also allows you to access a new uh, AI-powered assistant called the Curator. This is an app. They let you manage the washing machine. Uh, there's a laundry planner, for example, so you can manage the laundry finishing time. So you can plan when you want to have the load finished. So say you've got a busy afternoon and say, well, okay, I want to get the, all the washing done by 12. You type in, in the laundry planner and say, okay, if you want to buy it done by 12, you need to put it in the machine at 11 or 10.30. Next step would be to access a laundry recipe, which recommends the optimal washing cycles based on what you're washing, based on the garment, the color, fabric type. So you might have some, uh, I don't know, some woolen clothes or some lingerie, whatever you want to wash. It'll give you the exact wash cycle. So there's no guesswork. So you're not going to ruin your clothes, shrink your clothes, discolor your clothes. The laundry recipe lets you take care of it. The other interesting feature of the washing machine is the Home Care Wizard. This remotely monitors the washer. So back at Samsung, on Samsung servers, they can send you an alert about potential problems. And if a problem does arise, they can provide quick troubleshooting tips as well. How good is that? So you, you can actually be warned about issues before they happen, which is, uh, that's a welcome, a welcome feature, I'd say. Uh, next up, they had, they also unveiled the cordless vacuum power stick pro. This was uh, a new cordless vacuum cleaner, kind of like a Dyson type type machine, 150 watts of power, uh, can run for 40 minutes, which is impressive battery time. Uh, also has a power flex head so that you can put it under furniture, uh, and this is going to be released in April this year. I think the washing machine is coming out at the end of March. Lastly, I uh, want to talk about the sound bars. The, the, these were two new devices, two new products that are going to really help enhance the sound quality of your home viewing experience. 
They've released the N650 soundbar, which is kind of a mid-range soundbar, and also the MW700 as well, which uh, goes on the wall. It's wall-mounted, so it can go below your uh, mounted television. The 650, though, is not much to it. It looks quite small. There's a separate uh, subwoofer as well. We heard a demo, and it it absolutely blew our mind how this small soundbar was producing this massive sound. So relatively small product producing this gigantic sound. Remarkable. Now, what it does, it's actually got patented technology on board. So there's there's this, this technology that allows the sound to go down these two pipes on either end of the sound bar. So what happens as it goes down the pipe, it actually uh, it creates uh, each, each hole in the pipe uh, is like a little speaker. And by the time it gets down to the end of the pipe, uh, it, it's, it's created this overall surround effect. So it pushes sound out through the room. It gives you that panoramic sound. And, of course, there's a left, right, and center channel so that not only are you hearing that, that directional sound but also that atmospheric uh, rear sound as well. Uh, which is really interesting. The uh, NW700 Soundbar Plus, uh, it's only five 5.35 centimetres thick. That's 41% narrower than the previous soundbar. And this, uh, again, packs a wallop in terms of sound performance. There's uh, three channels, a built-in subwoofer, but still maintained in this really sleek design. Uh, we're going to see these in the first quarter of 2018. Pricing hasn't been unveiled yet, but the N650 being positioned as a mid-range soundbar, I, I expect it to be maybe about 700 to 900 bucks, maybe slightly more. The NW700 maybe about 12 to 1300, uh, but that, that's not confirmed. We uh, were hoping to see them in the first quarter of 2018. But uh, we've covered all of those stories, uh, or the soundbars, the new frame TVs, and the whole wrap-up of the forum. If you want to read more about that, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide interview. Tech Guide. Now, as we mentioned earlier, we uh, we spoke to Sungi Ku, who's the Samsung Vice President for Smart Appliances and Home Internet of Things Technology. And he, he gave a really interesting presentation on, on the direction of the, the connected experience, he called it, uh, what, what the products are going to be, how we're going to interact with them, how millennials are going to interact with them, the whole increase, the growth of these smart products in the home as well. Uh, he, he had a really uh, interesting presentation, and also we did get a chance to sit down with him for this interview, and here's what he had to say earlier. Podcast. Thanks um, for having me. The, the idea of making something smart and simple mm-hmm. is quite complicated, isn't it? It, it's, it is. That's kind of your job at Samsung, isn't it? Absolutely. So Absolutely. What, tell, take us in, tell, tell us a story. You, you've been at Samsung for just over a year. Right. So quite a large breadth of products. Right. So where do you fit into the business and sort of making everything smart? Well, I'm part of the digital appliances division, leading the smart appliance the strategies, right? And then also we have a flagship product called Family Hub, the refrigerator with a big screen on, right? So if you're looking at five different categories of the product within the appliances business unit, let's say refrigerator, washers, um, uh, rubber vacuum cleaner, and air conditioning, these are the five major categories of the products. It used to have their own app. Now that my job and my team's job is basically try to combine those different experiences into a single experience that, you know, people can use every day without really having to go through these complex 
you know, processes, right? So that is, that's again, like a simple outcome, but it took a lot of work. I enjoyed your presentation where you took us through the, the movement from manual to automatic to connected. <laughs> and you mentioned yeah. the fact that the, the smart home term is quite a cliched term mm-hmm. that we've been using for decades. Right. But you sort of more spoke about the connected experience, which is kind of where we're at right now. Right. right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, been using those what's uh, good buzzwords for quite a bit of time uh, in the industry, right? I think what's now different is people started seeing patients, of course, but I think from the manufacturers or you know providers' perspective, we really want to focus on the experience people are actually willing to take, right? Otherwise, it's going to be another techie stuff. Um, in somewhere in the house that you don't really use because you don't see the value because you don't really get a great experience out of that. So one of the key things that we're doing is experience across the multiple devices, right? If it's just the one device that you can just turn on the lights or turn on the robot vacuum cleaner, I mean, experience is pretty straightforward and simple. But if you combine that with the TV and then figure with the big screen and you have a multiple set of uh, of partners, contents, and services, I mean, we can create a lot of exciting new experience, not necessarily just a new product. Yeah. And Samsung being in the unique position of having quite a breadth of products, right. you can really go to town then with what you can offer the customer. <laughs> exactly. I've been talking to my colleagues in mobile division, TVs, and, and, and semiconductors, amazing, amazing company that has a technologies, products, and then the people with the passion on right? So it's been it's been a, a great pressure, but also it's, it's a fun as well to connect all those different devices to create a better use cases and then also the, the experience out of those. Yeah, you, mean, you mentioned to the looking into the future, sort of the millennials and, and, and their, their experience with always knowing a smart device and... Right. Being more after an experience rather than ownership. Right. So, so you're looking that far into the future on what the future customer is going to be looking at. So exactly. they have high expectations, I'd imagine. Right. I mean, future experience or the the customer of the future, right? The typically just growing up with these IT devices and then always being connected. Like my daughter, 11 year old daughter, she's really wanted to be connected all the time. I mean, we, of course, don't want her to use their iPhone or phone all the time, but it's not just the phone, but it's more of the tendency to be connected all the time, right? So this is a, a new generation that was growing up with that uh, experience. So we really like to uh, offer a unique experience for them, right, across the different devices so that they can actually enjoy more of the Samsung products. Speaking of the Samsung products, I noticed one slide, and this was mentioned at CES as well, that the company set the goal that by 2020, right. all devices will be connected and integrated. Right. Are we on track? We are, definitely. It's actually a huge effort. If you're looking at the number of different models, the number of different uh, types of the products that we have, it's actually very, very bold uh, goal and vision that uh, Samsung announced a couple of years ago. Um, but if you're looking at the true differentiations, the values that only Samsung can provide is actually going that direction. No doubt about it. 
Appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. And Apple has uh, released a bit of a sneak preview as to what we can expect when the new iOS 11.3 is released. Now, this is the iPhone upgrade that's going to address and monitor your battery's health to give the users a better understanding about what's going on. And Apple got into a bit of trouble a little while ago where they admitted that, they yes, they did slow down battery performance because that uh, an aging battery, like on an older iPhone, and the battery is obviously not as efficient as it would be with a brand-new brand battery. So to compensate for or to prevent unexpected shutdowns, what Apple did was pull back a little bit on the processor. Now, it, it caused a bit of a... a Cause a bit of uh, a bit of a kerfuffle among customers, and so much so that uh, that the Apple chief executive Tim Cook actually came out and po- apologised and said, "Oh, they, we could have been a little bit more clearer." Well, that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're being very clear, very transparent with iOS eleven point three. Now, what we can expect with this one are ba- your battery settings, so you can look at your battery health. You can even control whether you want the phone to take over from uh, take over your battery's performance to prevent the sh- the shutdown. So users have now a choice on that performance management system. It's a lot more transparent. So uh, it puts in place a number of measures which could which would uh, prevent those unexpected shutdowns that I spoke about. So older iPhones. This is where the problem with older iPhones. So iPhone six and later. And Apple also have implemented a, a cheaper battery replacement program. So if you are, if you do have an iPhone 6 and above or later, you pay 39 bucks and get a brand new battery and it's working then exactly as it would if it was brand new again. So no need to pull back on the performance because the battery's aged, not quite, it can, can't produce the peak performance of a brand new battery. But if you do replace the battery, then you're good as new again, literally, and uh, there's no need for the battery performance to even kick in. So there'll be a new section in the battery in in the settings called battery health, and this is where the performance management feature can be found. Now, if you do decide to allow the the uh, settings to control your performance, so here's how Apple will slow the phone down. Older iPhones, this would be. If you haven't replaced your battery, you've got iOS 11.3 and you've turned on battery management. You want the phone to manage the performance, I should say. So what will happen, you'll have slightly longer app launch times. You'll have a lower frame rate when scrolling the screen. The backlight will also be dimmed slightly and the speaker volume will be reduced by uh, minus three decibels. So reduced by three decibels. So what uh, what will not be affected though, and Apple specified this, what will not be affected by the performance management feature is the call quality, the network performance. So you still have a good signal. Your call quality will be still crisp. Your captured video and photo quality will still be uh, high. Your GPS performance will also be be top notch. Location accuracy also, and all your sensors will work. Gyroscope, accelerometer, barometer, and of course, Apple Pay will be unaffected. But uh, the things I mentioned earlier will be slightly pared back so that you're not getting 
any of this, uh, any surprises and no unexpected shutdowns. It's all about the unexpected shutdowns. Apple don't want your phone to black out unexpectedly. It, it could happen at a time when you really need it. You may need to make an emergency phone call. There, there, there are times where you really need your phone to be working. Uh, so if you uh, update to 11.3, you have an older phone, then these will be quite transparent, these new settings. I'll put the screenshots on the story on Tech Guide for you to take a look at. And as I said, the other solution is to pay you 39 bucks. If you've got a 6, a 6S, maybe a 7, you can get your battery replaced for that for that much money. 39 bucks, really cheap, but way cheaper than what it used to be. And your phone's like brand new again. If you want to read more about that story, uh, about the Apple battery performance, it's coming in iOS 11.3, which will be released in the coming weeks. If you want to read more about that, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Right, uh, next up is uh, a bit more of a serious story here, and it's all about Lenovo, who've issued a recall for their ThinkPad X1 Carbon. Now, this is one of the most popular laptops, not only for Lenovo, but in the market. They're, they're talking about the fifth generation of the ThinkPad X1 Carbon, and in particular, the notebooks manufactured between December 2016 and October 2017. So you can identify these systems pretty easily by your machine type, serial number, and build date. So machine types including MT, 20HQ, 20HR, 20K3, and 20K4, built between, as we said, 12th, uh, uh, December 2016, October 2017, uh, then you need to pay attention to the recall. Now, why is it being recalled? Well, there is, has a, the, Lenovo has identified that there is a hazard, there is an issue, as an unfastened screw could potentially damage the battery cause overheating, and possibly create a fire. So it's a fire hazard. So it's it's highly unlikely to happen, but good on Lenovo for advising customers. company says that any customer who's got an affected notebook, turn off the system, stop using it, and get your free service inspection. You can do that. There's links on my story on Tech Guide. So it does, Lenovo says it values its customers, regrets any inconvenience, and as I said, this is highly unlikely to happen, but it's possible. However unlikely, there is a slight chance it could happen, hence the reason why they're going ahead with this recall. So uh, you, the ThinkPad X1 Carbon, fifth-generation laptops affected for... Uh, so that I have put links to the Lenovo recall site. Follow those instructions. And uh, it is, as I said, a very popular laptop. That's one of the hit products for Lenovo. It's the fifth generation, so it's a fairly recent model. So, yeah, if you are using that, shut it down, check out the link on Tech Guide, and get a free inspection to make sure it's safe. If you want to read more about that story and everything uh, and, and the instructions that you need to follow, you can do that at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. Public Wi-Fi isn't always safe, even though we all love to use it. Without the right protection, your personal information could become public. The recent uh, Wi-Fi vulnerabilities have been have shown us that there are ways that attackers can intercept data transmitted across a Wi-Fi network. 
Personal information that is transmitted over the internet or stored on your connected devices, such as your passwords, credit card numbers and more, could become vulnerable. All of this personal information can be used towards committing things like identity theft and even accessing your bank accounts without your knowledge. The team at Norton are dedicated to helping you keep your valuable data safe. Norton Wi-Fi Privacy encrypts the personal information you send and receive on public Wi-Fi to help keep it private wherever you want to log in. Help protect your information with Norton Wi-Fi Privacy. To find out more, visit au.norton.com. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Well, first up, we are going to be talking about the new Halo from Bankwest. This is Australia's first payment ring. Now, we've heard of being able to pay with your watch, pay with your phone, pay with a card. Well, how about paying with a ring? So you think about this. Bankwest customers can uh, apply for the Halo. You can apply for a ring sizing kit. Uh, And once you get it, inside is a small NFC chip. That's near-field communication chip built in. And you can use it exactly like your card when you do a tap-and-go purchase at a terminal. So when you make the payment, you have the ring on your finger, make a fist, hold the ring to the terminal, and you've made the contactless payment. The Halo ring, it's going to be available in black or white, uh, is also water-resistant. So go to a depth of up to 50 metres. So imagine the convenience of, say, going for a swim or for a surf or to the gym or for a run, not having to have a watch, not having to have a phone, not having to have your wallet, and still be able to make that purchase. Uh, you can make purchases up to $100 uh, without having to enter a pin. If you do purchase more than 100 bucks, you just need to enter your pin. Uh, fist bump the terminal, and it works. Uh, and the, the beauty of this product is that it looks like a ring. It's, it's something you'd, you'd see people wearing on, the, on, their, on their fingers. Uh, you never need to charge it as well, and there's no app that you need to open up to complete any transaction. It just works. So that, that convenience uh, is really interesting. Although we have had people ask us, well, what happens if you lose it? There's no identifier on the ring. That is true. Uh, I, I suspect if you lose it, you can actually lock your account or, or just cancel the ring so it won't, won't be able to be used with your account. But it's no different, if you think about it, to losing your wallet or losing a card. People can use it, even though your name's on it, people can still use it until you report it missing and then they cut off the account. So it's not like it's totally new and, and all this, this technology is out of the question for and, and unprotectable. Uh, it is backed up, actually, by a MasterCard 24-7 guarantee. It is backed by MasterCard. It's a MasterCard product. So uh, if they're giving you that kind of guarantee, that MasterCard protection works 24-7, and that's that's okay by me if they want to offer that protection and give you that convenience. But if you want to get hold of Ring yourself, you, of course, need to be a Bankwest customer. If you're not, it isn't, isn't hard to... Uh, to apply, there's a, you get a simple transaction account and get going. You can also apply for a custom ring sizing kit. You can fill out a form and they send you a kit for free. Uh, the ring itself, when you have it, it costs uh, you get a device fee of $39, and that's the cost to cover the cost of manufacturing and setup. But for a limited time, uh, Bankwest have a number of rings at the introductory price of $29 if you want to get in. No charge to receive the ring sizing kit. So if you want to be able to make your payments from your Bankwest account, as simple as making a fist and bumping it onto a terminal, uh, really convenient that is, you can do that with Bankwest. If you want to check it out, techguide.com.au.
Next up, we're chatting security cameras, and D-Link have got two new affordable Wi-Fi security cameras. D-Link make a number of uh, interesting products. Uh, they, of course, make the great modem routers, and also have a selection of Wi-Fi cameras. The uh, Omna is another one. But here are two affordable cameras. We're talking the 8000LH Mini HD Wi-Fi camera and the 8100LH. Uh, the difference between the 8000 and the 8100 is that the 8000 has a 120-degree wide-angle lens. The 8100 has a 180-degree wide-angle lens. So you can see edge-to-edge in one in one image, and it does come with with te- with software to debubble the image so that you look like you're looking at a flat image. So you can see every part of the room. But the uh, the 120 degree also gives you quite a wide angle as well. Uh, they've all got a lot of great features on board. Uh, these can be connected or controlled using Google Assistant. Uh, you want to set it up with IFTTT, which is if this, then that, to make it smart. And it'll also work with Amazon Alexa. So you can uh, talk to these cameras, get information just by using your voice, being able to see the feed. It might say, hey, Google, show me the back, the front door camera, and you'll see the feed on, on that particular device. There's also built-in IR LED to provide five meters of night vision, even in complete darkness. Now, your uh, your resolution is 720p HD video, and uh, they can also use users can receive automatic push alert notifications, so you always know what's doing at your house, so you know what's going on at your home or office. Uh, device itself is only small; it's only 9.7 centimeters tall, so it's easy to place it anywhere in your home. Uh, it might be on a shelf, on a countertop, whatever you like. You can those notifications I talked about. You can re- uh, receive motion or sound notifications. So uh, if you can detect things like a sound of breaking glass as well as movement, and you get the the notification as well. Four times digital zoom on board, cloud recording, and uh, you can access it all through the My D Link app. The uh, setup just takes minutes. Uh, set it up to your existing network, and then and then you're away. The uh, the cameras themselves, the, the 8000, quite small. The 8100 has got a slightly different design. Uh, this is the one that boosts the, that boasts the 180 degree viewing angle, so you will see every part of the room. Uh, both cameras, as I said, detect sound and motion. And uh, there's also a local micro SD card to store your recording, or you can send it all up to the cloud and access it there. The, uh, the 8100. Uh, is priced at $199.95, and the 8000LH from D-Link is $149.95. If you want to check those products out, you know where to go, techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Well, you already know Arlo by Netgear. That's the worldwide leader in home security and the creator of the world's first 100% wire-free, weatherproof HD security camera. Well, now you can get to know the new Arlo Pro with even more features, including two-way audio that allows you to talk to your kids, your pets, or whoever's at your front door right from your smartphone. Arlo Pro has quick charge, rechargeable batteries, night vision, and live on-demand streaming. And yes... Still 100% wire-free and weatherproof, so you can easily monitor your entire property inside and out. 
Arlo Pro takes just a few minutes to set up, so you can check in on your home or business from anywhere using the free Arlo app on your phone, tablet, or computer. I was viewing my Arlo cameras from right from here in Rome all the way back to my home in Australia. Know what's happening in real time with advanced motion detection and never miss a moment with free cloud recordings for seven days. Visit arlo.com forward slash au for more information. Arlo and the new Arlo Pro by Netgear. You've got every angle covered. Answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. Well, I did have an interesting uh, question from a reader, and it concerns her son's use of Snapchat. Now, her son is 11, and he's already using Snapchat all the time, according to my reader. And her question was, how do I know what he's doing? How do I monitor what he's doing? Uh, well, I have replied to her email, and uh, I, I also would would uh, listen to I would play uh, voice bites on the show. So, if you want to record voice bite, which is uh, free on iOS and Android, and record your question, that will get priority and be played on the show. Uh, but in this case, uh, this lady sent me an email, and I replied saying, "Well, you know what? Snapchat minimum age, like Facebook and other social media platforms, is actually thirteen, and." I, I didn't. I didn't word it as if to say, "Well, your own fault. You shouldn't have done it so early." That's a parent's decision. A parent can decide whenever they want, whatever the time they want their child to go online and use those sorts of products. But it's recommended the minimum age, according to Snapchat, is 13. But trying to take it off him now would be all near impossible because he's already using using the product, using the the platform, sending snaps to friends, and that the Snapchat for those who aren't aware. Private messages disappear once they're read, once they're seen. Uh, Snapchat stories hang around for a little bit longer, but then disappear after about 24 hours. Uh, and the, the question, the answer I had to the, the mother's question, I said, well, a great way to monitor what he's, he's doing publicly is to actually join Snapchat. Be on Snapchat, include him as a user, uh, point out to him that, oh, he, that he will be, his, his snaps will be looked at by him if, if the... If the child, oh, my recommendation is if the child decides to block you, I'd take their account off them. You know, this, this, this child's only 11. It's a boy. He's only 11. So, yes, parents got every right to take those sort of measures to, to monitor what they're doing. Uh, I remember when my kids were younger, they wanted to join Facebook. They were, they were 13. And I said, yeah, sure. And, but under, under one condition that myself and your mum, we're going to be your friends on Facebook. We're not going to interfere with you. We just want to keep an eye on things. Just like if your kids were playing in front of you or in front of you in the real world, you'd want to know what they're doing and what they're up to. That's your right as a parent. And I think that doesn't change in the virtual world. And I told them that if you cut me or your mum as friends, then you lose your account. And they accepted those conditions, and and, and it was fine. There were there was hardly a time where I had to say anything about it. I think a child needs to know that there are some things you share on social media and other things you keep to yourself. And I think a child's judgment at that age is not really as sharp as an adult's judgment, and that's all, all part of the journey. And I think another reason why social media minimum ages are about 13. An 11-year-old, uh, they think that they know nothing different, having a phone and connection, and they think that the whole world's public and they can say whatever they want. Now, in this case, the private snaps, it'd be a bit hard to monitor them, and in fact, near impossible to monitor them, because as soon as they're sent, uh, they're, they disappear. So you, it's not like you can have software to, to monitor it all, but if you are the child's friend on there, if they know that you're on there as well, they may know that in the back of their mind that, Okay, mum or dad might see what I'm doing here, and and then 
they'll, they'll keep that in mind. But I think at the get-go, a great advice for any parent letting their child on social media, set the rules. You are the parent. You set the rules. Advise them on what the etiquette is, what's appropriate to share, what's not appropriate to share. Teach them the good habits. If you just let them go without keeping an eye on them, it's going to be like the Wild West. They're going to do whatever they want. So my advice, be part of it. Be part of that experience. My advice to this parent was be part of Snapchat. Be on Snapchat. See what he's sharing. If you don't like it, tell him. He's 11. You're his mum and you're his dad. If he's not doing what he's told, take the phone off him. He's got an iPhone. We, we do, parents need to stamp their authority to make sure their kids are doing the right thing online. God knows unsupervised kids, what they're looking at and what they're sharing. There's so many horror stories out there. It's worth taking the time. It's part of parenting now, people. If you've got kids, it is part of your parenting duties is to look at what they're doing online. Teach them the right habits. Check the, what they're doing and give them advice. Be, be, be open about it. I'm sure that that parent uh, is not the, not, not the only person who has uh, worries about what their kids are doing online, but I think if you become part of it, join there with them, be, be with them online, give them the great advice, then I think uh, the outcome will be a lot better than you expect. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that's our show for this week. You can read about everything we've talked about, of course, at our website, techguide.com.au. And we'd love to hear from you. So send us your voice bites. We want you to record your questions. So warm up your voices, download the voice bite app, have the hashtag techguide in the clip title. So you can send me a question. You can send me a little 15-second review of a product that you've purchased. You might love it. You might hate it. I'll play your voice on the Tech Guide podcast right next to mine and answer your question or play your little review. Of course, if you want to send us an email, we won't uh, bar those. Info at techguide.com.au is the email address, but voice bites will always get priority. We want to send a shout-out to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and Norton, the company that can help keep you and your family safe online. It's been great having you with us. We hope you'll join us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.